ready to reflect on yet another small, nimble, skillful little striker leaving the Argentine League. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Sam Kelly, welcome everybody. Um, I'm joined this evening with Seba's missing, presumably on the run from the authorities after I shopped him publicly for killing a man on the soup day last week. Um, if you are listening, Seba, then you know we're on your side. We'll we'll start a campaign to free you anytime soon. Uh, we're joined. I'm joined by Australian Dan. Hey. And for the first time in what feels like literally a couple of months, which is what it is. English, Dan. Hello, pleasure to be back. Welcome back, Dan. Um, the, the small, nimble striker that I referred to, who's become the latest export from the Argentine League, uh, is, of course, six foot seven inch Dennis Strakwilorsi. That wasn't said very well. Strakwilorsi, of, uh, formerly of Tigre and now of Everton, um, in, in England. So, Liverpool aren't the only people who've signed, um, uh, a South American the next Liverpool derby is going to be interesting seeing those two up against each other yeah, because Quates is 6-6 we might see a few stereotypes about South American players overturned given that they're both enormous and, and quite physical players um, were you surprised about Strakwalosi going to Everton guys? I, I didn't hear anything about no, it no, in the sense as you say that we didn't hear any, any rumours or hints that it was about to happen but I think what we heard in the days leading up to that was that he was, might be moving to Vélez to replace Santiago Silva mm. um, but you know we've, we've known for a while that he's, he's a quality striker and was probably destined for Europe at some stage but kind of surprising I think I'd agree with that I mean one move I had kind of I don't know whether I saw it coming or I kind of hoped it would because I thought it would have been fairly interesting was that he might have gone to replace Martin Palermo you know another small nimble Argentine forward at Boca but that never quite materialised and I think by the end of the transfer window old um, Strack Attack was pretty desperate to, to kind of get out either to another Argentine club or to Europe and to be honest I think it's a very good bit of business for Everton it is I mean a year's loan is uh, fantastic deal yeah a year's loan with an option to buy which of course is, is going to be huge for Everton given their financial situation um, and he seems to be the right sort of player for them as well right mm. it's, it's exactly the sort of player they need it's a, it's a big uh, target man a guy who can the sort of player that usually does pretty well in the Premier League to be honest yeah yeah, yeah exactly. very good in front of goal as well yeah nice well precisely very yeah. nice goals from him in terms of his physicality, probably he's, he's going to remind more than a few people just because of his height of, of Peter Crouch. But he's a bit more. I think more um, slightly, slightly better finisher than, than, than Crouch. Yeah. I would say. yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Andy Carroll, but uh, perhaps a comparison with him or somebody like. Um, yeah, could be right. Yeah. Bringing the Australian connection, somebody like uh, Mark Viduka is in someone who, who's actually quite nimble with his feet and can bring in midfielders with kind of back heels and. Deft little passes and stuff. Uh, yeah, still with the physicality. Mm. We, we gather, Australian Dan, that you were talking to the Liverpool Echo about this <laughs> earlier today. I hope that you informed them that everybody in Argentina knows him as the Strack Attack. Yeah, I did mention that Argentinian journalists tend to favour uh, Tracker, but uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to get the Strack Attack label uh, to be the, the prominent one while, while he's in England. I'm I pretty do sure download. I'm pretty sure if he scores a hat trick in the Merseyside derby, Strack Attack will be the title. <laughs> yeah, I, I do download uh, Match of the Day. Um, each each weekend so if any of the commentators on there start <laughs> using it I'll, I'll let you know and when you can credit yes exactly yeah. you, you, most of all Australian dad who invented the nickname but we've all used it on Twitter um, so yeah f- fingers crossed um, do we want to talk any more about it? Um, no the only the only thing I would say is that often we have this type of striker who goes from Argentina to Europe, say, and, and isn't quite as successful as people think. This would be uh, Bocelli. Bocelli, for example, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I often put that down to the fact that there's not a lot of really good number nines in, in Argentina, so when when you do have a good one, he tends to do well. Uh, say, even look at Martin Palermo, <laughs> who, who didn't do so well in Europe, but scored six 6,000 goals, I think, in Argentina. So um, 
uh, I would temper with temper it with a, a little bit of that. But I still, as we mentioned before, he's he's he has a little bit more than your average English number nine. I think with his his nice footwork and, and other things. So I think he he should be okay, and I think he should do well. Yeah, interesting that he's managed to get this move to the Premier League as well because. Um, one of the points that we've made about him in the past is that he's a relatively late developer. He's he's 22 and he only really has come through in the last 12 months. Um, it's not as if he's been, you know, lighting up the the Primera in Argentina since he was 17 or whatever. But no. but he has been by far one of the most consistent strikers, along with with Santiago Silva, probably who's, who's who come to Fiorentina um, as we as we discussed last week. Um, and really, I think to do what he did last season in the team that he did it in last season, yeah. Is 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 really impressive. Well, he was the top scorer when you combine the Apertura and the Clausura. He was with 21 goals. He was the top scorer overall. And even when he was like in the first half of the Clausura, culminating with that three, the, the hat trick he scored against Boca in a Bombonera, the first guy to do that in in 15 years. Um, he was pretty immense in that first half. Even in the second half of the Clausura, he didn't score so many goals. He just scored a couple of penalties. Um, but he was still really valuable for the team as a as you know, as a focus, a focal point of the team, a target man. Yeah, yeah. as we were saying, he also brings other players into the game. Definitely, you know, yeah. he formed a very good partnership in the second half of the Clausura, I think, with uh, Diego Morales. Exactly. You know, this classic, you know, little and large partnership, which is such a cliche. Mm. And yeah, he's, uh, but I think probably the biggest issue coming out of this is with Santiago Silva gone and the strike attack gone. Should we just give the Apertura top scorer title to? Deal with the and get over. He hasn't he hasn't left in the time that it took me to get here on the on the bus or anything. He, no. no, he hasn't gone to Europe. Silva did a brilliant job, <laughs> apparently hacking all the racing's phones so no office could arrive. I mean, unfortunately, I know he doesn't rate Jacob, but it seems like his hackings have stopped Jacob leaving as well. So yeah. maybe a bit of a sweet moment for Silva. Yeah, I imagine him standing outside the racing headquarters with, <laughs> with some big shears, cutting the cutting the telephone wires and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> hacking their internet so that nobody can email them. Um, but yeah, well, he was we say is busy tonight. In, uh, <laughs> marks. No, but beyond that, I think the the other issue, which obviously Everton fans are going to be much less concerned about, um, but which allows us to begin to talk about the the local league, is that with with Strakwalorsi gone, uh, he wasn't really in Tigre's squad for these first few games. But it really takes away any options that Tigre might have had, especially with the Argentine transfer window already having closed. Um, to, to put any kind of variation into their selection and you're looking at the situation that they're in now in, in the relegation table in Argentina um, which if you're a first time listener is, is done over a three season long table um, which includes the previous two seasons results and, and, and the current season and Tigre have already dropped into the relegation place and the automatic relegation places in that Thanks partly to Atletico Rafaela and San Martín de San Juan starting so well in their first season up. Yeah, um, they're screwed. Well, yeah, I think we talked about we sort of wrote them off at the start of the season because of this averages. Um, you weren't here for that, Dan, but I think you'd probably agree that like really, I mean, they haven't been as bad as I thought they would be. I thought they would be almost having you know throwing their hands up and, and sort of giving up, but they've they've actually looked decent even without Strakwalusi. The, the midfielders looked really good. But it's when one or two of the players gets injured, and they're going to they're be in real trouble. Yeah. But surprisingly, they've, they've been doing all right so far. Uh, but still, they'd have to almost win the league to, to have a chance of staying up. Yeah, as, uh, as one of their players was saying in an interview last week, actually, they, they really do have to be challenging for the Apertura and the Clausura um, to stay up, which is something that we said about River last season. And as it was, uh, an extra, you know, another point would have kept River up, even though they weren't exactly challenging for the Clausura. Um, in the end but with Tigre it really is they're, they're far worse off than River were a year ago and they haven't got anywhere near as good a team either right. but as you say the midfield doesn't look too bad um, what did Tigre do at the weekend they drew nil-nil with Lanús didn't they away which was a fairly impressive result albeit yeah. Lanús were resting Diego Valeri having brought him back in um, it, it was also one of, one of the results which meant that none of the top five um, sorry none None of the five teams who were tied for first place going into the last round of the, of, of the Apertura managed to win a match. Um, who were the others? Colón lost the Santa Fe derby to Union. Yeah, 2 0 in the Elephant's Graveyard. Yeah. Um, Vélez lost to All Boys, which I will point out that I, I picked that result last week. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Racing drew 0 0 at home to Arsenal. Which I also picked and was criticised heavily by Seba Garcia. Um, <laughs> I would have gone along with that. <laughs> that game had 0 0 written all over it. Yeah, totally. As I said before, like Arsenal have been have a really solid sort of defensive unit there. Uh, 
So they're um, going to be hard to beat. And who were the others? Uh, um, Boca, San Lorenzo. They did two. Uh, no, not two. two. That one. was a de San Martin. It was one one between yeah. Boca and, and San Lorenzo. In a fairly entertaining match, actually. It was a good game. Yeah, I mean, we had a beautiful free kick from uh, Gabriel Mendes, mm. uh, ex Banfield, I believe, who just yeah. curled it straight in past um, Orion. Yeah, he's since I think he's picked up an injury in training, so he's going to miss the. Well, he, he's a doubt for the weekend. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean that that, that was a, a fantastic uh, yeah. free kick, and, and Boca should have won at the death as well. They had uh, it was several chances in the last ten yeah. minutes, but especially um, one with uh, Pablo Migliori, the the ex Boca goalkeeper, yeah. letting a ball spill through his hands, sort of scrambled back, stopped it right on the goal line. Lucas Biathri, Martin Palermo's replacement, is coming in, smashes it goalwards for about a yard out, yeah. and somehow. Um, Terracheo was it one of uh, Palomino. Palomino. Oh, Palomino. Yeah, Palomino had managed to get back just in time and clear it Brilliant. off the yeah, line. Yeah, absolutely, it was incredible. Yeah. Boca even had another chance after that. So how on earth they didn't win? And that was the first sure. first goal Boca have conceded for a long, long time. Mm. It um, was, yeah, the, the first this season, um, definitely, and yeah, which kind of implies that bringing back um, Miskiavi was a pretty good move. For as old as he is, <laughs> he seems to have put a bit of you know knocked some heads together at the back and. Organised me a bit. I mean, obviously, I didn't see the first three games of the season because I was back in England. But seeing, you know, they only conceded the goal from the set piece, and you got to say, apart from that, especially in the second half, San Lorenzo almost didn't have a chance. No, well, this has been something that San Lorenzo have been kind of blowing a bit hot and cold with their midfield, and they've lacked creativity at times. Even though they've clearly got some good players there, and I think Leandro Romagnoli, as I said last week. Leandro Romagnoli's ongoing injuries he isn't going to help. He should be back for the weekend by here. Yeah, um, he's, he's training again, yeah. at least. Um, and yeah, the, the other notable results that I uh, can remember off the top of my head, Godoy Cruz won their first match of the of the season. Uh, sorry, got their first win of the season. It's, it's their fourth match of the season, just like everyone else. Um, <laughs> against Banfield, and, and that, that result was Banfield's fourth loss out of four and yeah. cost uh, Sebastián Mendes his job as Banfield manager um, which brings us actually onto one of the questions that we've been asked the only question that we've been asked um, well that I've been asked anyway for, for Hand the Pod this week by uh, Joseph BCN on Twitter um, who'd like us to discuss the chances of Ricardo Lavolpe coming in as Banfield manager because he's been fairly heavily linked and he's going to be talking to the club over the weekend they've got a caretaker who's the reserve team coaching for this uh, this weekend's match against um, I'm now looking at the stick down fixture list against Tigre away um, what do we think guys Lavalpe Banfield he's not managed in, in Argentina for what four years uh, suppose when I looked at his stats and he hasn't actually managed very much at all in Argentina no, he's no. had like 50 we something games or yeah. something off the top of my head but one, one season at Boca yeah. one season at Vélez most recently 2007 yeah. and that was it and I think probably the one thing we can say about him obviously you know we know he's a manager of pedigree he's managed Costa Rica he's managed Mexico to pretty pretty decent success over the years and we can say about him as well that he's um a fan of Banfield since basically infancy and used to be their goalkeeper. And it's an interesting thing, kind of these old idols and fans coming back to clubs because often it doesn't go as well as they think. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, no no examples come in Argentina, but there's been a couple in Brazil recently. We had um, Falcao at Inter- Internacional mm. and Renato Gaucho at um, Gremio, and it didn't quite go as they planned, you know emotional laps of honour on the shoulders of fans yeah one, one thing I will say is that if you're uh, if you like to play the stock market then I would suggest buying sh- sh- shares in uh, Argentine cigarette manufacturers <laughs> before the weekend because once Caruso Lombardi uh, once Caruso Lombardi once La Volpe is uh, confirmed if he is confirmed as battlefield manager those those prices are going to skyrocket I can promise you it's um, bad news yeah but no I, I think he, his, his sides have tended to play Fairly adventurously, yeah. Particularly, I mean, obviously, most of what we have seen probably is um, is going to be when he's managed the, the national sides mm. of Mexico and, and Costa Rica, um, uh, which I think, in a way, could be just what Banfield need because they really look like they were struggling to come up with anything at all under Yeah, they do have decent players, so mm-hmm. yeah, they've not got a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, so that that uh, win for Godoy Cruz against. Uh, against them gets Godoy Cruz's season off and running and in fact just after we record this evening obviously before this uh, podcast goes online they're playing Banfield's local rivals Lanús in the in the Copa Sudamericana uh, qualification playoff 
first leg. Um, and then there's, I think they're staying in Buenos Aires actually before they play Arsenal because they've got two away games in a row. Um, that's in the league at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, any other results from the weekend, guys? There was Newell's win against Belgrano as well, which was that was astonishing. <laughs> yeah, an astonishing game. Kind of Belgrano, who I don't think have won a game yet this year, if I'm right. No, two no, draws, right. They've, they've two losses, three draws and one loss. I think uh, not. It might be two and two. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, sorry, Tamatina yeah. got three and one. It went two 0 up in front of their own fans, and they looked like they were coasting. But Newell's they showed fight that they haven't showed probably for about two years, really, and managed to turn it around to win three two. Yeah, yeah, three pretty decent goals actually. Yeah, it? one one from Alberto Aquino, yeah. who um, had some work permits. Well, no, sorry, some some delays in, in his resignation, uh, his resignation, his registration coming through. Um, so he, he missed the first couple of rounds of the Apertura due to that and then two from Ricardo Noir who's yeah. looked they were his first two goals for Newell's but he's looked kind of revitalised since joining them he, he yeah. was a permanent fixture on Boca's substitute Spence last, last <laughs> I <can't> speak <laughs> have another friend out yeah, yeah. Right. Old boys, <laughs> he was a permanent fixture on Boca's substitute bench uh, last season and so uh, Realised that he was even behind Lucas Viatri in the pecking order, um, which, given some of Viatri's comments last season <laughs> before he became a, a starter, was saying something. And, and so he went to Newell's expressly with, with the uh, intent of getting some minutes and getting some goals. And he couldn't have got two more important ones, really, from the point of view of kickstarting Newell's season as well. Mm-hmm. And he's looked good whenever I've seen him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks like he's really settled. We should mention uh, Rafaela, who are top of, of the course, table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that took advantage of, of the five leaders failing to win by beating Olimpo 3 1 themselves. And they've now got, what, three wins and, and one loss from four matches. They're on nine points, top yep. of the table, top of the Promedio table as well. And we should. You know, you have to say the um, the cream rises to the top. <laughs> the cream rises, exactly. And one player on their team who seems to enjoy cream quite a lot is uh, Daddy Gandini, <laughs> who is just this little kind of podgy goal poacher who used to do it for Independiente and now I think he's got three or four in four games for Rafaela. Mm. I know he scored two on the first day. Yeah, I think he's got three now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things I've liked about Rafaela actually is that they've got... It, it, they've been fairly free scoring as well they, they've, they've got eight goals um, in four matches which is more than any of the other sides in the first four rounds and it's, I think it's something like five different players have scored Gandine's got three but everybody yeah. else has sort of chipped in with, yeah. just, with, with one so they've really got goals from across from all two or three of their first choice mm. forwards and from a couple of the substitutes and one of the attacking midfielders as well so they've really hit the ground running yeah no, it's slightly Crazy as well, like they're, they're slightly mad. It yeah. might be a bit of sort of all boys last year where they, they get a lot of many red cards. They've had well, three. I was going to say, yeah, they, they didn't get anybody. They've not got any anyone suspended for this round now. Then, all right, might know, be the first time because they had they two in their first game sent off and then yeah. one in the next game. They've so three have sorted some of their discipline out, but you're right, they still <laughs> are a bit. And they so. and they sort of like even I think they were, the, the match they lost. I think they were, they were down three one, and they were, mm. this was two weeks ago, and they were mm. still sort of attacking, throwing everything in the last ten minutes. Yeah. So they're just kind of. And to be honest, I think that's how these uh, newly promoted teams need to approach it. And yeah. I think in the last couple of years, especially kind of, I know we talked a lot about all boys in the first half of last year and Olympo in the second half. Mm. The teams that do well newly promoted, they're the ones that just show no respect to anyone else. And yeah, absolutely. Just basically come out 100 miles an hour, like they'll kick anything, they'll shoot anything. Like, yeah. And they need to win, right? Like, they need to win. The draws yeah. are not good enough. It doesn't, you, can't, you don't go all the way to Boca and try and get a draw, you try and win. You try and win, yeah. The draw is nothing because exactly. they, they need so many points to stay up. Yeah, yeah. and so obviously one of the uh, teams who epitomised that really at the weekend was Union, uh, who for the first time in eight years were playing in the Classico Santa Ficino um, mm. against Colón, away from home as well. And as we already mentioned, beat them 2 0, both goals coming in the first 16 or 17 minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Again, like brilliant atmosphere in the, the Elephants Cemetery that Dan and I managed to get to during the, the Copa America. Yeah. Which is a very nice stadium, like, yes. you can really feel the, feel the atmosphere building in there, and it exploded basically on, on Sunday. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I was impressed by their performance then as well. Obviously, Colon have, have blown slightly hot and cold, so. It's a bit, and particularly not just over this season, but this year have been dreadful at home mm. for a very long time. That they won one match at home. Yeah. Um, so still, I think they're a decent side. And I think actually yeah. for a lot of their game, they looked probably a little bit better than uh, Union. Yeah, they were unfortunate to lose, especially by two. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it was just one of those exciting derby classic old time matches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things that I think we get from this, really, is it seems, after witnessing a lot of draws and fairly dull matches during the first three rounds, certainly. It was only when Dan wasn't here, so... Yeah, 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 it's funny, that. (laughs) Apart from Ferrassin, who just decided not to play when when I come back, which is nice. Um, But yeah, it feels almost as if the, the league's funny sort of got started now as well um, the, the table started to take shape but also the football's started to improve a little bit um, yeah interesting a lot of teams in the mix it's hard to, to pick anyone who's stood out so far we've already mentioned previously Lanús and Vélez mm. but, but even yeah. I mean Lanús after winning their first two games have now drawn two in a row yeah and it, they even so, we said after they won their first two they didn't look that impressive um, Vélez looked impressive but now they well they lost to all boys um after losing like such a so many vital players, and then you, you get the feeling maybe losing Silva is like the, the straw that breaks their back. Mm, yeah. um, but we'll see. Maybe, you know, they might pick up again, but it's going to be hard for them. So it's a little less obvious now. Yeah. Maybe for me, uh, Boca maybe are starting to to look like perhaps uh, one of the strongest contenders. It'd, just be, to, it'd be brave to bet against Boca. I think this season they look very solid, and it's hard to see where the weakness is across the squad. Yeah, they. But then I remember saying something possibly something similar possibly before the Clausura and before the Apertura. So. Yeah, yeah, they, they they look like they've got firepower as well. They, they've got Svitanić and Liatri both scoring well. Um, uh, there's always going to be a doubt when they go into a game missing Riquelme as they go into this mm. weekend. He was he was a doubt for the San Lorenzo game, ended up playing, and then afterwards he was feeling his hamstring and has been told by the club doctors that he's not going to be playing against mm. Independiente this weekend. Um, and when you're talking about a player like Riquelme at any club, not just at Boca, that's always going to throw a dampener um, on any any celebrations of a, of a decent result or whatever. So what we did see though in the last point of view. this weekend was uh, Erviti. For me, played his best game for Boca. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's we know he's a good player, but he's the, the whole last season he struggled to to find his place. Uh, whether he, you know, playing second fiddle to Riquelme, pretty much, but. Uh, he, he actually looked, you know, he was, he was very active. He was mm-hmm. getting involved, which he hasn't done for Boca before. So there's some light there for them. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing that really stands out is that since we talked about them being utter pants last week, um, Estudiantes didn't improve. Mm. Uh, they they looked actually, uh, and I, I predicted uh, for Hong Kong Jockey Club last week that they were going to um, to get their first win of the season. They were at home to San Martin. Mm. Who, who haven't been bad actually um, they've, they've done alright but they haven't won any either I, I think they've drawn three of their four games or something and something told me that Estudiantes that, that Bocelli was going to score and that Estudiantes were finally going to get a win and after 15-20 minutes Bocelli scored to put Estudiantes 2-0 up and I actually mentioned on Twitter I said yeah okay this is if you've used my advice to, to bet this weekend then you're going to do very well <laughs> never say that and Estudiantes of course proceeded to concede two goals and allow San Martin to, to get the point whilst it, it was almost as if everything that they'd done in the first quarter of an hour they just forgot about uh, thereafter and then um, they followed that up last night by losing in their Copa Sudamericana against Arsenal I believe yeah. 2-0 playing yeah. pretty poorly as well yeah I didn't see well, the match but I've heard that they weren't highlights. particularly impressive um, so yeah th- that, that was the first leg they've got a second leg to turn it round but I'm not, I'm not sure anybody's going to be betting on them to to do very much um, I think even Missy Dan's turned against him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it looks like he has done <laughs> after having gone all the way through the class sort lose again I've learned a lesson about it to the I picked him last week as well having, yeah. you know, at home to yeah. San Martin but yeah. I think in, in a couple of the previous weeks I didn't pick them mm. so uh, you know I'd like to not have any faith in the Studiantes no matter how many good players they have no. and, and one thing as well um, that this allows us to uh, to talk about is, is the fact that as we mentioned last week Estudiantes haven't been the same since Alejandro Sabella left and that seems like an excellent reason to start talking about Alejandro Sabella just, just for a few minutes again because we know that today he um, is in Calcutta with most if not all of the, the Argentine national side the, the proper Argentine national side not the domestic one who are going to be playing Venezuela on Friday um, now there are a, a couple of things to mention first of all which is that there are three uh, uh, withdrawals from the squad with injury Lisandro Lopez the, the Leon striker not the Arsenal de Sarandi defender um, Cristian Ansaldi is one isn't he yeah. at Moscow and the other one I've forgotten the name uh, of 
Um, and we've not got the pocket oh, switched on. But there, there is another one, and he's yeah. not one who we would have expected to start, which is why I can't remember his name. Um, but anyway, he's had his first uh, training session today in charge of the Argentine national side. And he's, he's put out a starting 11, which consists of Sergio Romero in goal, Pablo Sabaleta and Marco Rojo as the fullbacks, uh, right and left respectively, Martin De Michelis and Nicolas Otamendi at centre-back, um, and midfields, which is one of the things I'm going to talk about when I finish listing this, um, of Lucho Gonzalez, Javier Mascherano and uh, Ricardo Alvarez of Internazionale. Um, and then a, a front three, it looks like, of mm. Lionel Messi uh, playing probably on the right, uh, I believe. Wide on the right, as he, as he did when he broke through for Barcelona, as opposed to the false nine he now plays for them. Gonzalo Higuain in the middle, and um, Angel Di Maria wide on the left. I have to say, before you continue, fantastic Please. memory. We can just say that Sam has no <laughs> notes here, no no kind of scribblings with the, with the 11. He's done that all from memory. Thank fantastic. you very much. I was. One, one thing that I that I liked about that list when I saw it was uh, the I, I know that a few people have even contacted us uh, about Debbie Chaley's involvement in the squad and asked whether he's really good enough and I think uh, was it you Danny questioned him last week uh, yeah I mean it's just strange that he's in the yeah. squad at all um, but I do like the, the fact that he's going with one more experienced defender and one of the younger ones <laughs> yeah, rather than sure. necessarily chucking two younger ones in at once and yeah yeah definitely yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have chosen Demi for that I, I would have chosen um, but I like that but, but also the, the midfield three if it is going to be a, a 4-3-3 that, that there's been some talk of uh, Sabella gave a, an interview to Canchashena.com which is the La Nación sports website a couple of days ago and one of the questions they asked him was how do you see Messi um, and his role for Argentina and his reply to that was that he thinks that Messi is going to play more like he did in his first couple of seasons at Barcelona wide on the right or cutting in and, and playing just behind the two strikers rather than playing the false nine as, as uh, starting in the centre forward position as he does now and we should probably mention as well that Lionel Messi will be leading out the team because Sabella's yeah, made him his new captain quite yeah, right which is pretty huge yeah. and, and I think from a tactical point of view uh, that positioning is probably right because I think the false nine role probably requires far more work in training than, than a national side have at least in terms of pre-friendly with the very first session with, yeah, with the manager right but the midfield it reminds me okay not, obviously the names are different with the exception of Mascherano but it reminds me a bit in terms of the personnel of the midfield that Diego Maradona put out against mm. Germany in the 2006 uh, sorry 2010 World mm. Cup um, and I, I, I don't want to jump on Sabella here and, uh, and and start getting defeatist and everything straight away because we all know that he's a much better manager than Maradona we also know that this isn't going to be the only formation that he tries right. he'll probably try a different team tomorrow Um and this may very well not be the starting eleven to play Venezuela, and if it is, then it probably isn't going to be the starting eleven to play a World Cup quarter final if he gets to one. Um, but apart from thinking that Luchel is going to be asked to play slightly more defensively than he has for a couple of years, am I the only person thinking this? Or I can see where you're coming from, but I think one important thing to clarify as well is, in difference to um, what Maradona tried, Sabella is actually playing with fullbacks. Rather than four centre backs, <laughs> mm, which will give the team a bit more balance and a bit more pace, kind of out wide, mm. which was where kind of Germany really punished Argentina in the World Cup. So yeah. I think we can expect kind of a more solid and balanced team, definitely from what Maradona put out. But yeah. I can see where you're coming from. If Lucho and Ricky get too far uh, stranded up the field, they could definitely leave um, Mascherano stranded, like we saw against um, Germany. Yeah, I, I would think that Lucho's going to have the experience to. To play where he's told and, and to partner Mascherano at times. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm not massively worried about it. Of course, it is only a friendly. Yeah, and I, I get the feeling just for the fact that, that Ricky Alvarez is in there that it's fairly experimental. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either as as a, as a training team or as the, even if he plays with that team, you know, uh, it looks like he's just trying out a few players and trying out a few things. Uh, mm. So one other thing um, that occurs to me is that uh, with the way that both Ricky Alvarez and Angel Di Maria play. It wouldn't surprise me if he's asking them to switch positions side yeah, as well down that left. Because Di Maria is going to be, uh, at least in the formation that I just listed, Di Maria would be played in front of Alvarez. Uh, so you think um, they're both going to play on the left? Because I was thinking Alvarez on the right there, maybe. I think oh, he's okay. going to be on the left. I've yeah. got a feeling. The, yeah. the, way, the way it's listed, obviously, they just give a list of players rather yeah. than plotting out the formation, but they tend to go right to left. And uh, the way that I saw it on Twitter from an Argentine journalist earlier today, at least, was 
was without Russ on the left of the midfield. That would be kind of um, weird, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, or we could even see kind of Mascherano and Gonzalez playing kind of further back down the field and Ricky given more space to kind of drift across the yeah. pitch, drift up, come back. Yeah, and perhaps with Messi playing slightly deeper than, than Di yeah. Maria and Higuain or with Di Maria. Exactly, so it almost turns into a 4 for 2 in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think there's much else to say because we've got literally a formation from one training session which none of us yeah. saw because yeah. India's uh, eight and a half hours ahead. Well, Calcutta at least is eight and a half hours it's ahead. It's quite far away as well. That's here in Buenos Aires. Um, and it's fairly meaningless friendly all in all, apart from the fact that it's Sabella's first match in charge. The Argentine press did just to add a little bit of local flavour to this discussion of Sabella, and because we know that we're going to have uh, probably a few Leeds and, and Sheffield United fans listening, um, eager to, to hear what Sabella's been doing mm-hmm. since he took charge at Argentina, the Argentine press have all been very impressed with the fact that Sabella was able to answer the Indian journalist's questions in English. He did a whole press conference in English, which, yeah. considering he played in England for what, three or four <laughs> seasons, is perhaps not so surprising. I'll well, if you look at Tevez. <laughs> I'm not sure Carlos Tevez is ever going to be manager of the Argentine national. Actually, that's a thought. Yeah. I think Ale kind of summed it up. They mentioned it because the the title for this press conference on their website was um, "It's not very difficult." <laughs> yeah, from the infamous uh, yeah. Carlos Tevez interview, where yeah. everything was very difficult. <laughs> everything, yeah, everything about that little talk was very, very difficult. Um. I'm going to, a few of us, certainly myself and Dan, are running out of uh, our patented alcoholic beverages that we record hand a pod on and which we're not going to be giving the brand names for anymore until they start giving us money or at least free bottles of it. Um, so I'm going to put the microphone down, play our listeners some music and then we'll come back with, uh, oh God, we've only been recording half an hour, with a bit more waffle, possibly. <laughs> The other major issue that we have to talk about as we look at the fixture lists for the weekend to come now, and it really makes it a shame that Seba couldn't make it to be here with us because there is a momentous day about to arrive in in Argentine football. English Dan is shaking his head in near disbelief and joy as, as I'm talking because he knows what's coming. Quivering with excitement. The Independiente and Boca is, is an all-big-five clash this weekend. Uh, champions Vélez visit Olimpo. Um, which others really stand out Lanús will be looking to probably get back to winning ways against a dreadful Estudiantes side um, but the one fixture that stands out in big red neon flashing lights from this red weekend's fixture list no you're true sorry <laughs> let's say blue and white neon flashing lights uh, and, and black and white neon flashing lights I'm not sure how black light works still um, is, <laughs> thank you very much. Is is all boys versus Racing Club? Um, a few of you, long term listeners, may remember the podcast that we did, and particularly if you're Racing fans, you probably will. After all boys and Racing uh, played um, during the Clausura, six and a half months ago. The first was it the it was first or the second? Game, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, you're right. It was, wasn't it? After the first match of the Clausura, mm-hmm. um, because it was uh, just literally about. 20 or, 20 or 30 minutes before we started recording that that we had confirmed that Giovanni Moreno was going to be out for at least six months um, with ha- having effectively broken his own Achilles tendon uh, in an attempt to retaliate some very nasty challenges that were coming in from all boys hired goon Hugo Barrientos Barrientos won't be playing for all boys this weekend uh, because he's injured <laughs> ironically um, but Giovanni Moreno will be returning to the Racing bench away from home in the same stadium and against the same team that, that he injured himself against six and a half months ago. So G-Day has arrived. G-Day, G-Day is upon us on, is it Saturday they're playing on? On Saturday, yeah. yeah Saturday at seven o'clock, I believe. Yeah, I imagine that you're going to be there. I will be there, yeah. And I imagine that you're a very, very excited man. Um, it's hard to put into words just how excited I am. Mm. And I think that goes basically for... All the Racing's fans, obviously, we're kind of not expecting miracles from Gio 
well, we kind of are, but <laughs> let's, let's be honest. It's, it's the rational way we do expect miracles. But let, they're more level-headed than us, shall we say. Mm. Uh, we'll kind of recognise that he's been out for seven months and he's come back from a very serious injury, which, as well as ruling him out of the entire class order, also kind of ruined his chances of playing in the Copa America and setting up a Gio versus Leo final <laughs> that we all dreamed about. And Do you think he'll actually play? He'll come off the bench. Well, so he said that he'll come on in the second half. Yeah. Do you think he needs to play all boys because that's like his his white whale? I don't know if that necessarily will be his white whale, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but Padre I think maybe yeah. also. But I think Racing do need him back as soon as possible because from what I've seen of Racing this this year, especially against Arsenal last week, they look very strong at the back, and but they're definitely missing kind of creativity and magic up front. I, I think, and, yeah, personally, I'd agree. I think Toranzo has been good at what he's done, but he's perhaps had a little, little too much pressure put on him in, yeah. in the first few games. Yeah. Um, and up front, obviously, Teo is fantastic. We all know yeah. that, but there's not an awful yeah. lot of depth beyond him. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing Gio and Teo for the first time <laughs> no, on Saturday because, because Teo's an on... He's and an idiot and because and he's on, on international yeah. duty, yeah. But, yeah, I think we all remember... Gilles from the Apertura last year where he basically just took the lead by storm if I'm not being too biased saying it you know other people, I definitely did yeah. he was, was player and the championship I think there's very few players maybe you know you can make an exception for Roman and not that many more to be honest who, that's, that's Riquelme I should yeah, clarify Riquelme who just brings some like magic to the league mm. which you know it's become very fashionable to say at the Argentine league it's all about the results, it's all about running, it's all about, you know, big tackles and, you know, playing not to lose. And I think with Gio you get just a player who just gives something special. He, he put he gives a reason for fans to go to the games every weekend. Yeah, I'd agree. And actually this this is making me wonder about uh, one other question that I got several days ago via Twitter and which has been swamped, um, particularly today with the Sebastian Cuartes to Liverpool uh, transfer being confirmed and I've got a lot of Liverpool supporting followers on Twitter now uh, that have developed over the last week. Um, so, so it's been it's been somewhat swamped, but we got one which I think was, and I, I'm afraid I can't remember the username of the person who submitted it. Um, I don't want to, to offend you, but I think it might be a slightly unrealistic, at least for a single episode, asking us to outline our five favourite players in each position <laughs> uh, in the Argentine League. I think that might be... Goalkeeper. Stretching it a little bit. Yeah. But um, I, I think we could certainly, as you say, Gio and, and Riquelme, we, we can certainly talk about uh, perhaps uh, sort of a handful of, of five sort of fantasista, uh, yeah. as the Italians would I say, style midfielders. Um, and I'm, now that I've suggested this, I'm struggling to actually think of <laughs> any apart from Gio and, and Riquelme, um, considering that River and, and the well, seventeen year old. I've been talking talk that, that this position. A lot of these guys are playing a little bit deeper now. Is that now that teams play with a double five, a double yeah. um, double pivot, if you like? Um, a lot of the often you'll have one of those as the more defensive one, and one as the more creative one. Who traditionally would have been the number ten, would have been the the engancher, the playmaker. Now these guys, even like, if you think in Europe, guys like Gago or Banega that we've talked about, um, these guys in the past possibly would have been this type of player, but now they're well, playing. I'd, that was one of the, the criticisms that Roberto Amondanzieri once made of Fernando Gago when they played together at Boca, and he didn't mean it in a harsh way. He was asked by a journalist, would you change anything or whatever? And he said, Gago is, is a number five who sometimes thinks he's a number ten, and he can stray up the pitch and sometimes go I think he started as a number ten, though. That's, yeah, that's why he, well, precisely, yeah. And I'd go a little bit further than that. I agree completely what, with what Dan says. Like these kind of talented, creative players play further back, but also you have the problem as well. As more teams kind of take on a four-four-two or a you know whatever formation, a lot of them play even further up the field as what they call like a media punta, mm. like a yeah. second striker, which also has the effect of kind of nullifying a lot of their creativity because they have a marker on them all the time they don't have the free roll they don't have players playing around them Yeah. so I think that also helps free the movement. going back to your point there is I mean I know you're struggling but there's a couple of players I think who we can include probably not on the same level as Gio and, and uh, Riquelme but close I mean one of them has to be uh, Diego Valeri Diego uh, Valeri popped yeah. into my head whilst you've been talking well, yeah. I mean, and also um, well, you've got uh, David Ramirez from Vélez. Yeah, you're right. And last season, of course, yeah, Maxi Morales, who was yeah. very much that type of player. Mm. And yeah. also, one player like he's still quite young enough, but I think 
we can see some really good things from him. Despite him being the enemy, so to speak, uh, Patito Rodriguez from uh-huh. Independiente. Yeah, I was talking about him with somebody in Interesting a, case, I think. With, with, with an, I think an English guy visiting Argentina in, in a bar last week, and he was asking me about Rodriguez because he... I'm not sure where, well, I'm not sure where he got this from, but, but no, he wasn't United. He was linked with United several yeah, months ago. Time, yeah. but, but, but this guy was saying he, he'd been linked with his club, and I think he was... Uh, Spurs fan or somebody and I, yeah. I haven't seen this rumour anywhere even since so he might even have just been making it up um, but to me Rodriguez is a little bit more of a kind of second striker yeah, he's not really kind of too yeah. creative obviously he wears a number 10 for Independiente um, but he's not so much of a creative player lacing through balls through and all that kind yeah. of stuff what here. I would say is that he's exceptionally talented with the uh, ball at his feet yeah. around people uh, Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. absolutely undeniable. And he's um, got the pace that Riquelme and Gilles will never have as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although Gilles not Gilles not a slouch. No, he's not a slouch. He's not a slouch. Um, I remember seeing him against River in the last Apertura, and he did he score Racing's goal? I think River. Yes. Was that one two one it one? It was a one all. Yeah, one all. Um, but before he scored Racing's goal, he very nearly scored what would have been the yes. opener. Um, and it would have also been the goal of the season because he picked the ball up on the halfway line and went round four or five of Rivers players. It was it would have been sensational if the goalkeeper hadn't smudged the shot. Yeah. Um, so he's got a turn of pace to him, but yeah. he's more kind of quick over the first ten yards and then very good at keeping the ball and really yeah. fast as a player. Uh, another one, Role is one who stands out for Olimpo, mm. who's oh, yeah. been one of the best in recent seasons. Yeah. Even he's a yeah. really good player. And also, we should uh, also give a nod to. Um, Belgrano's Franco Vasquez, who, who's done well enough in the first two rounds, <laughs> um, as well as, of course, in, in the playoffs against River at the end of last season, to earn a move for, is it six and a half million euros to, um, so, yeah. to, to Palermo yeah. to, to replace Javier Pastore? Yeah. Which um, happened in December. Yeah, he's, he's, the transfer's already been signed, but he's going to be moving after the end of the Apertura as, as part of the deal. Um, El Mudo. Mute, <laughs> which is another fantastic nickname. Yeah. Which I don't know quite what it means in Argentina because yeah, the normal people are pretty pretty loud anyway. So maybe it's just a little, you know, a little bit shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah precisely. He can talk. We should clear this up. <laughs> He's actually mute. Yeah. As far as we know. Be interesting if there weren't. The I case. think I saw an interview with him the other day saying I have on good authority that he can talk. Excellent. He's not a literal mute. <laughs> Glad to hear this. This is your hand of pod scoop. You just can't get these exclusives anywhere else. No, absolutely. Hello, my fans, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm surprised Messi never earned that nickname because, especially when he's a bit younger, he's, yeah. he's still shy. But I mean, mm. I remember. He, I guess fleas are quite quiet as well. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Excuse me. We we just went slightly silent then as well <laughs> um, because I didn't realise I was the one being expected to talk so I picked up a glass and, and took we a sip we were kind of it. looking at you to just bring this um, I was going to say that fleas are the trip. fastest animal um, in comparison with their size they're faster than any other animal they, they can jump higher as well right yeah. you can see the, you might be able to hear the depths that we've sunk to this week on, on Hand of Pod having really covered most of the, the results from the last weekend uh, fairly quickly Cheetahs. Cheetahs. So I've heard. Well, yeah, like the the fastest land animal I think is the uh, is the cheetah. It's the cheetah, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got well, like a bluefin, bluefin tuna and stuff like that. Yeah. But compared to <laughs> <laughs> compared to a flea, cause, you know, if you, one jump of a flea is like that's like a, a horse running, you know, at like three hundred kilometers an hour or something. Right. Wow. That's yeah. pretty impressive. That would be a very fast horse. <laughs> It almost surprises me actually that no um, players from, say, Patagonia come out with these ridiculous nicknames like yeah. the penguin or something. Which is, you know, you I'm sure they are. Think if there are any players who seem to just glide across the pitch, and we all know that penguins, whilst they waddle on land, can glide. We might see a few in the, in the Copa Argentina when, when some of these Patagonian teams uh, have which to I play. Believe, which I believe starts tonight. If I'm yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's the qualifying round started yeah. last, last month, but you're quite right, Dan. The, the, um, the Copa itself, the, the first round proper, uh, is is underway. The first few matches were played this afternoon, um, and it's going on into tonight. I'd be interested to hear actually from our listeners whether they're interested in hearing any updates from us in the Copa when it reaches its its later stages. Let's say because it's we we've discussed it. I think uh, I think it'll be interesting call. when it gets to that yeah. sort but, of um, yeah. even once the Primera sides come in. De- yeah, well, actually, yeah, once the, the Nacional B sides come in, it'll be interesting. Yeah, as you see some of these smaller teams playing some some Nacional yeah. B, or okay. we'll, we'll, we'll see what what comes up. But I yeah. can't say very much um, off the top of my head about it at the moment but I did see um, that the it, it's going to be seeded the draw um, and the teams from Nacional B and the Primera um, have been split into pots 
and those pots are going to form one quarter of the uh, the draw from the last 64 or 32 onwards, um, which means that, say, I think Racing and Independiente can't meet until the final, Boca and River can't meet until right. the final, for example, uh, which obviously is partly to, to sell tickets and, and get some money. Um, albeit I don't know why they're bothered with River and Boca because I doubt that River are going to get to the final personally well it's um, sort of surprising that they didn't they put them playing each other a bit sooner because mm-hmm. I, I doubt I think there'd be more chance yeah, yeah, like they're going to pack a stadium wherever happens yeah it's very unlikely that they're going to yeah. make it to the final both of them and so it would have been interesting to see them you know, in a quarter final or, uh, I thought Apple might have sort of worked it that way absolutely I mean f- from um, for myself I'd just say I'm really glad that it's actually happening because I, I was defending the idea regardless of the fact that the motivation is just too yeah, sure. Um I still think it's a fantastic idea yeah, to okay. have a knockout tournament yeah. and uh, although one or two people told me oh you know it won't actually happen and, and, I, and I was like well you know they're going ahead with it so far but I was still slightly surprised when it actually kicked off and does now appear to be going ahead well I think if the whole 38 team thing had worked obviously this wouldn't have happened but it yeah. was like a fallback plan mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, so that's going to be something that we keep our eyes on um, we're going to go to another musical interlude now, and when we come back, uh, Dan is going to babble incoherently, and what comes out of his mouth will be supposedly uh, what's going to happen this weekend in the fifth round of the Torneo Apertura. There's a lot of draws this week I've got. Um, Newell's Colón, I've got a draw. Tigre Banfield, I've got Banfield to win away. Yeah. Uh, San Lorenzo, I've got to beat Belgrano. Arsenal, Godoy Cruz, a draw. All Boys Racing, a draw. I've got Lanús to beat Estudiantes. Uh, Argentinos Juniors to beat San Martín de San Juan, away. Uh, Union Rafaela, a draw. Independiente Boca draw and Vélez to beat Olimpo away. I find it very interesting that one of your predictions, you yourself, said <laughs> that's kind of strange when you were reading those out. <laughs> yeah. Namely, Banfield to beat Tigre away. Why on earth have you gone for Banfield I to do anything? I just decided that Banfield have had enough. Uh, well, this is what got me into trouble with the Estudiantes last yeah. year. Kept expecting them to, <laughs> to finally win a game. But, yeah, I don't know why I did You that. think they drew a win? Yeah. I, I have to say. Is there a part of you wondering whether the, the caretaker manager is going to have an effect as well? Because sometimes a change of boss is all that's needed, even if I don't think I was wondering that when I made that. I think I'd forgotten completely about the manager changing when I. I think it's more to do with the fact we were bad mouthing Tigre before we. It could be. Before yeah. we went on. Yeah, it could be. There's always that possibility. Just out of interest, Dan, you know, as someone who wasn't here last week, uh, how did the stars lead you last week with your predictions? I didn't. Did um, no, I didn't take a. T- do a tally, but uh, as I said, like I was pretty happy with picking the surprise all boys win over Vélez and the Racing draw. Overall, I'm not sure how it went. I, I didn't check it. We will be doing another uh, league table of <laughs> as it would have been had his predictions come right. Obviously, we didn't have predictions for the second round of the Apertura this year uh, because we weren't able to record a podcast in the week before it. Um, if you want to do your predictions as they might have happened for the reasons <laughs> that you haven't gone ahead, Dan, if you get 10 out of 10, then we'll be a bit suspicious. Because I had actually thought that all those results were going to happen that way before that round. I just didn't, didn't get a chance to predict it. It's such a shame, that. Yeah. Um, we, we should also mention, just, just before we go away, first of all, that we'd love... Um, we asked for feedback last week. We've had... Two or three emails, actually. I've not managed to forward them all on to, to you guys yet, but two or three of them which have been really good and, and had some very good points. If I don't reply to them, then it doesn't mean I've not read them. It's, I've been very busy in the last week or two, um, and I'm very bad at replying to emails at the best of times anyway, so I apologise for that. But I am reading them. Please keep them coming to sam at com, or if it's a really short point that you want to say, then to any of us via Twitter. Um, the other thing that I'd like to say, if, if gentlemen, we've all got our glasses more or less charged... Uh, we're going to raise uh, Fernet in Joel Richards' honour because um, it's his birthday today as we're recording. Oh. It'll be yesterday by the time I get this online. But Joel, if you're listening, which we hope you are, and if you're not, and you should be, <laughs> happy birthday, Joel. Happy birthday. Here's to Joel. <laughs> Top bloke. Top guy. And that's just for those of you who don't actually believe that we drink whilst recording this podcast. That <laughs> glasses. Uh, 
if you listen to what we say, then I don't think it will be too hard to believe. But anyway, I'm pretty sure they can realise by the incoherence that's <laughs> in in the second half of the podcast show. Yes, absolutely. Astonishingly, I think we've managed to keep the recording time to something around about an hour, uh, or even less than an hour this time, guys. Impressive. So well done, everyone, because mm-hmm. I might not even have to edit this if we're really lucky tomorrow, which is very good because I'm off to a film festival. Uh, opening. How was the tango? Oh, yes, of oh, the tango final was magnificent. And actually, I made the point. Um, uh, some of you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> well, know where Dan's question came from. I should possibly explain for the others. The reason we're recording this on Wednesday night is that on Monday and Tuesday nights, um, my girlfriend and I attended the finals of the World Tango Championships. Monday night was the. How did you guys go yourselves? Well, we were checking out the competition for next year's event. Uh, yeah. um, we're going to be entering the stage uh, category. Uh, there are two categories. One is salon, which is like tango, as you would see it in a in a milonga, a, a Buenos Aires tango club, um, just on the dance floor. Um, and the other is stage tango, which is obviously more showy and choreographed. Uh, Monday night was the the salon, and in fact, on Monday they don't announce the top three; they announce the top five here um, on the podium. None of the top five were Argentine couples. Mm-hmm. There was a Japanese couple in fifth, a. Um, an Italian couple in fourth, an American couple in third, and then there was th- th- there was a dance off first and second because they were tied <laughs> between. Uh, you'll be interested to hear this down between a Colombian and a Venezuelan couple, wow. and the Colombians won. Uh, for the, in fact, it's the third time that Colombia has yeah. has won it in nine editions, um, which just goes to show really that salsa dancers make better tango dancers, yeah. as I'm convinced as well, because I like to dance salsa in my spare time. And we can have confirmation that the Colombian pair wasn't Gio and Theo. No. <laughs> No, certainly not, although that would have been hilarious to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, last night was, was good as well. My um, One of my girlfriend's old schoolmates actually was f- finished in second <laughs> and, and was visibly complaining about the fact she'd only finished in second on stage, uh, which we, we found quite amusing. But yeah, last night was won by an Argentine. Uh, prior to that, I was preparing to make a joke about Argentina hosting tournaments this year and failing to win them. Um, what with the Copa America and, and the Tango de Salon Championship. But yeah, no, it was... Thank you for uh, for asking, Dan. Mm-hmm. I apologise yeah. to everybody if I've just bored you for the last two minutes talking about it. <laughs> As I say, please keep the feedback coming. Happy birthday, Joel. Anything else that you'd like to add, guys, before we wrap up? Just that. Best of luck to Gio on Saturday, and hopefully he won't do his cruciates in again. We, we know he listens. Of course, yeah. He's a he's a um, avid listener. Mm. Uh, in fact, you can follow him on Twitter as well. He's Gio Moreno 10 or something. Something like that, yeah. We'll get, I'll try and get his Twitter handle yeah. and put it on the blog. I think we all probably interest. follow him on Twitter, or at least me and Seba do. I think so I follow him. He doesn't... I do as well. Um, he, he doesn't tweet very often. No, he tweeted earlier this week to say that he was coming back, which was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's got away with words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for now, we're, we, we shall wrap up. We'll leave you all in peace. Um, we're going to go off and try and find some dinner, possibly after finishing this for because we've still got half of it left. Um... From me, it's goodbye everybody. From English Dan, welcome back again, but for now, goodbye. Brilliant to be back and talk to you next week. And from Australian Dan, good night. And hopefully, we'll have Seb back with you all next week. Goodbye everybody. Mm-hmm.